All right. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Sobriety University Podcast. We had a really awesome guest today and a really cool topic that I'm really looking forward to diving into. Um, it's about alcohol. And so we are joined with my Russian friend, Masha Privet. Hello. Uh, so, yes, Masha, thank you for coming on and being of service today. We got a lot of people on this channel that deal with alcohol addiction. And so it's really good to hear from a female perspective as well, because uh, it is a different experience. I believe from the male and female quitting alcohol. So really looking to dive into that today. So we won't keep you guys waiting. Whoever's watching, uh, we like to get right into it. So Masha, how did you start getting into alcohol? What was your first experience? Um, so actually when I was in high school, I didn't really care to drink too much. Like I had a fake ID and I'd go out with my friends, but I never was a big drinker. Um, and it actually wasn't until I was in a relationship that ended about three years ago. Uh, where they were hiding their drinking habits for me. And the longer I was around them, the more they started to show. And at first, you know, it was it was nice. You know, we could drink and have a good time. Um, but as the relationship went on, it got more toxic, so did the drinking. Um, and even then, I actually didn't even think I had a, a problem with alcohol. Uh, okay. It wasn't until we broke up um, that I stopped living in survival mode. I was finally able to breathe and I didn't know how to do that um, where I feel like I was numbing my feelings. Uh, so mm. I didn't really have to think or feel the things that had happened. Okay. Um, and, and actually prior to my 19 months of sobriety, I got in trouble of June, 2021 and I stayed sober for about eight, nine months. And still I told myself, I don't have a drinking problem. I'm just the problem when I drink until I relapsed and got into some more trouble. And since then I've changed my ways of thinking and my behaviors and constantly doing like self-improvement, which is how I've been able to stay sober for so long. Nice. So we're going to dive into that a bit, like some of those, those issues. Uh, first question is, so when you realize that, okay, you do have a problem, like what were some of those red flags that came up? Because I think a lot of people listening might have that same uh, thought process, like, yo, I don't have a problem with it. I'm just doing it occasionally. So what was it for you that made you realize, oh, shit, like this is an issue? You know, at first, um, I thought my drinking was only affecting me. And it wasn't until the second time I got in trouble that I realized how many people I was actually hurting around me. Okay. Um, at first, I thought a lot of them were like personal attacks. Hmm. Uh, whereas after the second time, I realized that people were genuinely concerned. Um, and then, you know, also staying... Sober for eight, nine months, I wasn't in any support group. Um, mm. I thought that I was doing a good job, and I realized I was walking around like a dry drunk. Mm. Um, What's a dry I, drunk, by the way? For the um, it's there? somebody that doesn't drink, but it's somebody that doesn't really change their ways of thinking, behaviors. Um, I used to tolerate a lot of things from people, like toxic or um, even like verbal abuse from people. Mm. And now I, I know what to dismiss. I know what I'll tolerate. Um, even the way that I address certain situations are very different. Um, and one thing that I've really had to work on is my justifiable anger. Um, Ooh, okay. yeah, I don't catch myself reacting the same way that I do, but it, it went more from, to me, it's, you have to change your perspective or the way of thinking, you know, you can't look at everybody that's telling you that you might have a problem that they're attacking you because mm -hmm. Obviously, they're looking from the outside in, and you might be blind to it looking at yourself. Sure. 
So my experience was a little different where not many people were telling me I had a problem. So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. What were people telling you when you were in your, the throes of your drinking? Like what were some of the things that were like, Masha, like get it together. Or was it more, you know, casual? So my mom is Russian, very thick accent, um, very blunt and straight to the point. And I actually didn't realize this until months later that the way that I used to talk to her was almost like I was barking at her. Um, like I thought that I was having a nice conversation or a normal conversation and she always felt like I was like almost attacking her. And that was one thing that I didn't even realize about myself, um, that I just came off naturally aggressive. Mm, So passive aggressive, maybe a bit. Or aggressive, aggressive. Aggressive. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another thing too is, you know, the times that I've either gotten in trouble or, um, the situations that I put, you know, put myself into, um, I almost looked at it like there was something out there almost out to get me. Like my ways of thinking were just not, not logical. Mm. Um, What were some of those ways of thinking? Like, can you give us some examples? What was illogical? Well, especially like the, the justifiable anger. Like when I get upset or I seen somebody that needed help, like I wouldn't just have a normal conversation. Like I'd go over and above um, almost like I was, drinking even when I was sober. Um, whereas now I can actually think things through, um, the way that I'll react to things or talk through things. I don't, um, I used to, man, my cutoff game was strong. You know, I could walk past you and act like I never even knew who you were, you know? Uh, whereas now I'm actually able to tackle issues or let go of resentments, um, make amends and apologize. Because my way of thinking was, if you have a problem with me, it's because you did something. And now I'm actually able to own up to my mistakes. Um, And that's why I really encourage getting into a support group. um, Because it's not just about, you know, trying to stop drinking. It's also about connection. And I feel like a lot of people that do struggle with alcohol or other addictions tend to feel really isolated and alone where Uh people don't understand you. Um, Absolutely. And I think that goes for both uh, men and women, for sure. Yeah, man, I bring me back here. Yeah, it was such a lonely place. And the only people I could talk to were other people that were using. So it was just, you know, it would just feed the cycle of loneliness. And I just remember there were times where I'm just like, am I ever going to like have relationships with people again? So it's a very... You know, I think a lot of people can relate to that, that just isolation and loneliness. Um, I want to dive a little back, a little back further. What were some of those, you know, rock bottom moments you had, if you're okay with sharing them? Because Yeah. Um, so I'm a mom and I know there's a lot of parents that can, you know, suffer from addiction or trauma or a mix of both. And for me, it was, um, the second time I got in trouble, um, my girl's dad told me that I could take her to a movie on his weekend, which he's not usually, you know, easy going about switching our times. And instead of being able to take her to a movie, I was stuck in jail. And that to me was one of the worst things, you know, n- telling your child you're going to do something with them or for them and then not be able to because of a mistake that you made that you knew was wrong. Um, it's hard, you know. How long were you in jail for? So the first time I got in trouble was in June of 2021. 
I don't actually think I sat long enough. Um, I was just mm. in there for an overnight until I sobered up. And okay. then I turned myself in about three months later. And although I'm lucky that I didn't have to spend that much time in there, um, I came in after dinner and out before breakfast. So although I feel like I caught a break and yeah. this was my one time getting in trouble, like I don't feel like I should be punished. Looking back, maybe I should have sat a little longer. Um, okay. And then the second time, I stayed in there for about 12 hours, sobered up, got released. And three hours after I was released, um, I was rearrested at my house for new charges on the same case. Thankfully, it was a good outcome the way that it happened. But I definitely reached my, um, what is that, that gift of desperation. Yeah. And, and my rock bottom. But, you know, I stay sober for myself. I stay sober for my daughter. Um, I know that that's hard for people that might not have somebody looking at what they're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to stay sober. You got to do it for yourself first because, absolutely. and, and that's another thing not to cut you off either. Um, you know, in, in support groups, they, they say, you know, and for the time being, you almost have to be selfish. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't be selfish. Like I have my child, I have this, I have that. I can't, just put myself first you know but then I also realized that's kind of what was drowning me for so long was I was constantly putting other people before myself and that could go for friends or relationships and my cup was completely empty I mean it was dry and now that I've put my sobriety first everything else has been falling into place because if I don't keep that as my first priority I'm not going to have everything else that I've worked for you're preaching you're preaching (laughs) because I'm sorry (laughs) No, please, please. This is uh, this is great. And, you know, codependency, I think this is kind of the crux of it, right? That giving, that overgiving. It's definitely a pattern I had for a very long time. And it's something I'm still working on. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's so important that you you give from a full cup. And you can see it. Like if you ever notice that someone gives from you from an empty cup, it's never like a pleasant give. You're never like, you know, I'll have a little more of that. It's like, damn, like this guy was like aggressively pushing his help on me or whatever it was that they were trying to help with. So I find that the same thing that when I'm giving from a full cup, it's it's out of grace. It's not out of desperation or needy or selfishness because giving from an empty cup actually is a bit selfish because it's a way for somebody to try to feel better about themselves through giving. So they're essentially using you to get their hit like you're their their addiction basically it's like oh if i can just give this to this person they can feel happy i'm gonna feel happy right so i'm really glad you brought that up uh codependency is something that i'm just about to start talking about a lot on this channel and we're going to be doing a lot of content on it it's what i think it's the root of all addiction and it's something a lot of people suffer with i haven't met a single person that doesn't have a bit of codependency i mean if you like something and you go to it on a regular basis that's technically codependency but it's like you said, is it like, is it healthy? Is it out of a place of wholeness or is it a place out of emptiness? So that's really cool. It sounds like you have been able to find how to give from that full cup. And I imagine life's gotten a lot better and easier for you and those around you. It has actually. Um, I noticed that around the time that I was committed to stay completely sober, um, the people that should have never been in my life slowly wean themselves out bro there was like no resentments no argument you know towards the end of like 
friendships or relationships, um, I just realized that was really the only thing I had in common with certain people. Mm, um, yeah. And I feel like for me, you know, even in support groups, I noticed um, like in the beginning of my sobriety, like there'd be some meetings and someone would say, I don't mean to call you out, but, and it's like, I've been coming here for so long. How are you just starting out? And you seem like you're in like a further place in life than I am. Hmm. For me, I feel like it's because I had to come in completely honest. Um, mm. I Trust me, I was very unbearable in the beginning of my sobriety. I'm pretty sure people hid under their chairs or wanted to like lock me out of anywhere that I was because I was just this big walking ball of trauma uh -huh. uh, and anger. And hmm. since then, you know, I've, I've signed up for college and I've been on perfect honors every semester, um, which is crazy because I'm a 28, you know, I hadn't been in school for almost 10 years. Um, I'm, I, you know, attend support groups continuously. Um, I also, I volunteer and I think this is a big part with my healing um, for my sobriety um, because of, you know, domestic relationships that I've been in in the past. Um, but now I volunteer at DACE, which is a domestic abuse intervention um, services. And so I, I work with kids um, while their moms are in support groups for current domestic abuse. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I, I do think that that, that definitely helps um, because I'm having to face my trauma um, mm. or any unhealed you know things that I really didn't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that also took me into the next level of my sobriety. Um, it's, and actually, it's even to the point where now, you know, even if I am around somebody that's drinking, I don't feel triggered to drink. Um, you know, there's a, I almost feel like sometimes like your higher power or whatever is in the universe almost tries to, to challenge or to test you. And it's not always in a negative way. Like there had been one time, I think I was maybe three months into my sobriety and nothing was wrong. You know, I might've just woken up on the wrong side of the bed. And for some reason, I wanted to drink. So by the and you know, a trick too is we don't technically crave the alcohol, we crave sugar that's in the alcohol. So mm. always keep a couple candy bars around you. Wow. So I had drove oh. over to a yeah, right? Sneaky sneak. Um, so I had actually uh drove to a gas station, bought a nice coffee, bought some candy, and by that time I was in line, I completely forgot that I even wanted to take a drink. And okay. right down the street was, was the liquor store I normally went to, you know, completely <laughs> forgot about it. And someone in line in front of me was like, crap, they must have forgot their wallet. And they wanted me to hold their drink. I seriously thought it was like a monster or something. Okay. And I looked over and it's a Mike's Hard Lemonade. And instantly I wanted to chuck it out of my hand. <laughs> so that's, that's, I mean, to me, I feel like that's progress. You know, yeah. I, I feel like that was something that was trying to test me and um, to even just for myself to like see where I was in my recovery. Um, but, you know, for me, I feel like, and, and for everybody out there, like doing support groups that might work for you. Yep. I'm a stubborn person. I tend to learn things the hard way. Um, so instead of going, you know, maybe missing like a support group meeting or, um, or something like that. I'm constantly, constantly looking for ways to improve myself and to become the best version of me. Um, and like I said, that's with, with higher education, uh, with volunteering, you know, giving back. Um, 
and a big thing is fellowship, you know, and that goes with volunteering. Um, and then I actually started yesterday, I entered into a, it's called a bear program It's for, um, women that meet once, once a week on Mondays, um, to talk about any kind of trauma that they've dealt with. And I feel like even that is going to help in the next process of my, my recovery. So, you know, you might feel content, mm -hmm. but are you feeling whole, you know? Mm. And for me, it's like, I feel best when I'm challenging my fears and able to conquer them. So. I love that. So much to, to talk about there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a rancher by nature. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. Like, I agree with you. You got, you got to be pushing yourself. Like as human beings, we're not meant to just be content. Like if you look back hundreds of years, we were always on the move, always trying to survive and level up. So I really, you know, I think maybe that's why you and I connected because we both have that like entrepreneurial spirit where it's like, we got to go out there and get shit done on a day-to-day -day basis. And this is what I tell a lot of the people I coach is like, you have to have things in your life that you can work towards and basically do on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> it's like simple as that. Like you have to keep busy. Um, obviously not, don't go into the degree of workaholism, but uh, mm -hmm. when you're just sitting alone, especially in those early stages, it's like the, the desire to drink will be a lot stronger if you're not out there doing different things. I really like how you talked about service too. That's like absolutely fantastic. Um, they talk a lot about them, the support groups too. And you kind of see it. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this, Masha, is that when people are not of offering value to others, like th they have a different energy. They're mm -hmm. very, uh, they see more inside themselves and more maybe closed off. And then versus the people that are, are more um, in that service role, they have that kind of like, openness, that lightness, they don't seem so stressed. So how else has service helped you with your recovery journey and just being a better human on a day-to-day -day basis? I feel like it's helped with, um, with patience and understanding different types of people as well, because I'm working with different ages um, too. And then I'm also having to speak with the moms that are in different, you know, stages of like trauma or their personal recovery. Um, and then and then it's really nice. I'm really glad that I stayed in um, service groups as well, too, because it, it's just, you know, when I first started going there, I'm pretty sure no one wanted to see me. And now everyone is always so happy and always wanting to give me a hug. And it's really nice to see other people through their journey of recovery, too, because um, you can tell where some people might have felt good in this spot and then another day here or this is one of their fears or insecurities and now they're rocking it, you know, and that's yeah. like their best attribute, you know? Exactly. Um, so for me, I feel like I did something that was more focused towards what I needed to work on in my recovery, okay. but there are so many different things that people could do, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yep. So. You can start a YouTube channel guys. Quick plug, do it. Change your life. I'm just kidding. But for real, and, and I really like what you said, too, about how the universe is always testing you in little ways. That's mm -hmm. I really like that because that's how I view life, too. Like, as soon as you think you've mastered something, the universe is like, all right, let's see uh, if you can live up to it. And so I agree. Like, it, it's always exciting when somebody I'm coaching comes in and is like, dude, like the universe tested the shit out of me this week. And I freaking passed it. And they, like the glow on their face, they're just like, dude. Like I'm invincible. It's, it's such a cool, cool experience. So I agree. I'm always getting tested. There's never probably till the day I die is yeah. going to be getting tested. Yeah. And 
And, you know, another thing I'm sure that you were going to bring up too, um, that not enough people talk about is that you almost plan your, your relapse. And when I first mm. heard that, I was like, what the F are you talking about? That just sounds nuts. Like I'm either going to drink or I'm not, you know? Right. <laughs> um, but the, the couple times, you know, in my early recovery, when I was like, like, if this doesn't happen the way it needs to, like, F it, I'm going to drink, you know, if this doesn't work out, then, and you start to realize that you're like talking yourself almost into doing it, even though at, at that point, you know, it's wrong, you know, and that's why the service groups are so, so important because I feel like when I'm like, when I have felt really down, like I go to the first, I go to two usually when I'm feeling like that. I go to one to like lift my spirit and I'll go to one like right after to get something or learn something from that meeting. And then um, it almost makes me feel, feel whole. It makes me not feel that way. Um, and then, you know, also being able to be completely honest while you're sharing. I feel like one thing that I had noticed, um, and it's not always with like newcomers, it's more um, people that are going to service groups and still, you know, not doing steps and walking around like a dry drunk. I feel like, um, what's the word? I don't know. I, I almost feel like, you know, not being completely honest, it's almost like, like a waste to show up. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but you know, how are you going to be honest with yourself if you're not honest about how you're feeling and saying it out loud? Because um, it's not fact, it's fantasy until you say it out loud. And after you say it out loud, then you can get rid of it. You know, you can change the way you're thinking, the way you're feeling. But if you keep that bottled up, I mean, people with addiction generally have a lot of self-negative talk about themselves. And once oh, you're yeah. able to say it out loud, yeah, you know, and once you're able to say it out loud, you almost realize how nuts that sounds talking about yourself because you don't really feel that about yourself. Like I hear, I hear you totally. I do disagree a little bit in the sense that a lot of people, like it takes a lot of people, a lot of time to be able to speak up in a group full of people. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people do have to go and just kind of sit in the background and kind of hear the, the messages over and mm -hmm. over before finally they like, Oh yeah. Okay. So everything they were saying is right. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And then they can start opening up a bit. And it's really cool when you see that, when you see someone that maybe has come for weeks and all of a sudden they're just like, they start talking and they say a few words and you're like, huh, I didn't know that person could talk. Yeah. And next week they're like, they say another sentence. And you're just like, and before you know it, you know, they're just shouting from the rooftops. Right. So I think, and a lot of that I think has to do with trauma and maybe as a kid, not being heard by parents or something and maybe adult figures, maybe they didn't fit well with their classmates. And so they never learned that, it's okay to express yourself and you're not going to get made fun of or judged. So I think that's coming full circle here. That's really why support groups are so great because they're a place where you guys can go. You're not going to get made fun of. You're not going to get ridiculed. No one's going to gossip about you or talk bad about you. You're just there for yourself. Like Masha said at the beginning, and then to, you know, hear the messages from other people that have gotten clean. So that being said, I am going to drop a free recovery resource guide. And so what this is, is it's 30 different like you know meetings there's forums there's youtube channels there's a bunch of stuff that you can download that will guide you in direction of free help and the reason why masha and i can't say the name of it out loud in public because they have traditions so people don't become like a spokesman of the group and then do something stupid in public and you know all of a sudden nobody wants to go to the group anymore because 
they're the representation of it though so in this group though you'll you'll see the name you guys can probably guess what it is like <laughs> if you put two and two together you know exactly what it is and so there's groups for every addiction out there which is something that's really awesome too so maybe if we if alcohol isn't your thing maybe you're dealing with weed or whatever there's groups for that so i'm going to drop that in right now um you can just download it throw in your email and it'll get sent right to your inbox um, we have a few comments here too and we're going to go through those before getting into the next section of this um we got our homie chuck johnson kid thunder how's it going masha yeah, pretty good, actually. I'm glad to be able to get on here and at least hopefully, you know, reach at least one person to um, to do better for themselves. So nice respect. Thank you, Chuck, for tuning in, my friend. Uh, we have seven things. Well, congrats on sobriety. I'm, I'm literally withdrawing from weed right now. <laughs> Laugh out loud. Keep it up. I'm glad you have a good attitude. I mean, that that's again, at the end of the day, once some of these stories, like the best part is laughing at them because I mean, some of the stuff's insane. So um, congrats on getting through the weed. I know we're talking about alcohol here, but you can use a lot of the same things. Mosh has been sharing tub with your weed recovery too. Um, <laughs> facts. Can you read that, Masha? I actually don't have my glasses on, so that's all you. Okay, so she says, uh, or he says, she should get the hell out of Wisconsin if she doesn't want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Russian, so that doesn't really work in my favor either way. Yeah, were you a vodka or a beer girl? I was a shot girl, so shot it was girl. just about anything that was around and hand, you know, okay. very quickly. Vodka was was almost like water, um, but I love my Patron shots, got to be honest. Okay. Ooh, dangerous. Yes. Dangerous, yeah. I was, uh, my big drinking days were in college, so we had like the peach brunettes and like Fleischmann's, and it was just ass dude like, not a good experience i'm kind of grateful because i think if we were drinking nicer stuff it would have been hard to quit but we were drinking trash so anyway guys this is the free resource guide again we have one more comment i'm gonna put that comment up and i'm gonna put this back for a few minutes so you guys can uh, check that out uh my homie i'm not even gonna try to pronounce it only anything is the same as precious rewards that have the way towards you mm, that's deep masha do you uh what do you think of, of that? I'll read it again. Owning anything is the same as precious rewards that have the way towards you. Um, I don't really go with analogies, but I'd say I agree with it. You know, you gotta, you gotta protect yourself. You gotta protect the things around you. You gotta care for it. Um, but you also gotta know what's good and what's bad for you too. You know, if you know something doesn't feel right, you should almost let it go. Um, because that might be doing more harm than good. Hmm. Love that. Um, and the dry drunk concept has a void. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think we've all been there in periods. I mean, you've been experienced. Have you experienced any dry drunkness within your recovery? Like maybe you're a few days you haven't gone to a meeting. You start to get that like, eh. Yeah, actually. Um, so there's times, you know, because of school and work and my daughter and volunteering and things like that. Um, and I like to fish too, you know, that's, that's my peace time. Um, there are times where, you know, I might not have hit a meeting when I felt like I needed one. And sorry. Nice. I like it. <laughs> and um, I've definitely caught myself like agitated or like reacting before thinking or um, and this self negative talk. Um, there's times where like I'm working and I'm, I generally work by myself. 
Okay. And I'll start an argument with somebody that's not even there. Like I'm pre-planning <laughs> them pissing me off, you know? And that that is like, that is why I'm so thankful for the, the service groups because like that helped me to, to almost catch it right away. You know, mm -hmm. that's when I'm yeah. like, yeah, I need to hit a meeting or I need to call somebody or um, I need to pray, you know? And I love doing the serenity prayer. And sometimes I might need to do it once, twice, even sometimes three times. But then I feel so peaceful, you know? Um, and and also having that connection with other people, I tend to not feel like I'm by myself like I used to. Um, that whenever I do feel that way, like I can either go to a meeting or I can call someone that understands exactly what I'm going through and feel a lot better instead of feeling triggered enough to drink. So. For me, it's more emotional. I need my, like, I need emotional sobriety to stay completely sober. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's very interesting. And I'm curious how much that has to play with, with you being a woman. I know for me, I'm very logic, logic driven. Like I want to know answers. I want to know up here. Um, yeah. I can kind of handle what's going on in here. Um, and so it's very interesting and it makes sense that like for you, it's, it's what's in here versus maybe more than what's up here. So I think that's really cool. The whole male, female dynamic uh, differences here. So um, we've talked a lot about like the power of support groups, the power of service, kind of your story and how you got into all this. Can you start sharing with us, you know, what are some of the benefits you received? Um, I feel like I actually like myself a lot more now. Like I've always loved myself, but I did not like myself. Um, I also feel like I'm actually looking forward to the future and not dwelling about tomorrow. Um, and that's that another thing is from the service groups, like just take it one day at a time and progress over perfection. I feel like telling myself those two things has made it a lot easier for me to actually like focus on now and be happy what's going on now. Um, I also feel like I feel a lot more peaceful. Um, I know what I'll tolerate and what I won't from from relationships, um, and and even the relationships that I have now are a lot stronger than they used to be. You know, because um, like I said, my cutoff game was strong. You know, you even say something to me, it was blocked and forgotten about. Um, okay. So I don't know. I, I just I feel good. I feel feel good about school. I feel good about my daughter. I feel good about um, like my own personal self love. I feel good about the unknown, uh, which generally right. has been pretty scary. Um, yeah. So I'm just taking it one day at a time. And I'm just grateful for the person that I am today and um, that I'm more successful and more happy than I was yesterday. So that's awesome, guys. And if you're listening to this, like, seriously, like, what a gift, right? Like, I know maybe some of you watching are not there yet. Uh, and you may not believe that it's possible. I know I didn't believe it was possible. Masha, my guess is that you didn't believe it was possible at one point. Oh. <laughs> right. So it's just a testament that it is a testament that if you put in the work and you show up and you really put yourself first and start valuing your own future, your own present, your own, your own past, even AKA with the trauma work that you can wake up one day and you're going to have a life that you're proud of and that you, you know, you just, you can come on and talk to people about it and not in a, in, in a humble way too. Like you haven't heard Nasha just bragging about, about herself. Like there's a way that you're talking about it, which I know like it, it feels good. Right. Versus like, yo, look at me. I'm like the man or shit like that. Right. Which is what I've, I've, it's like a frat fraternity kind of mindset or whatever. 
So it's very cool. It, it just seems that you've you're an adult, right? You've matured. And and I will say like um, for people out there too, um, one thing that really did help with my recovery is the times that, like I was saying earlier, um, like with service groups not being enough. I almost feel like you know every day that you reach a new success or you you find something else that you like about yourself, um, it almost like it's almost like a teeter totter, you know, like your desire to drink and then all the progress that you've made, you know, it's like, you really don't want to go back to day one. Cause even if, and remember, like, even if you do happen to relapse, everything that you've learned through that entire time you stayed sober, doesn't just disappear, you know, cause at the end of the day, it's still always one day at a time. Um, but constantly working on yourself to be the best version of you that you like best. Um, to me, I feel like that definitely will help to keep you sober another day. And what do you mean by one day at a time? You've said that a lot. You kind of, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So I used to focus about things that like were like years down the line or next week or two days from now. And it would just constantly stress me out. And it's like, I'm driving myself nuts. I'm getting angry or paranoid about it. I'm catching anxiety. And that day hasn't even happened yet. Like, I don't know what's going to happen in two hours, you know? And for me, if I just focus on today and if I can stay sober today, if I um, can just do one task and get it completed today, I know that I can do it again tomorrow. Um, and, you know, there are times where a whole day might be too much. So then you just piece it up. Like, what am I going to do from now until noon and have a game plan? And then what I'm going to do from 12 to 3 when you get to that point. You know, sometimes one day at a time is a little too much for people, um, but that's when you break it up. You know, you find something that you are enjoying and then you find something that you need to get done. And I feel like for me, focusing on what I can control right now, I don't have to focus about what I'm doing later because that that's going to end up playing out the way that it's supposed to because I'm focusing on what I need to do right now. Mm, preach. Like I'm, I'm feeling that one right now. <laughs> I'm like a, sometimes, yeah, one day at a time is too much for me. I got to come back and just focus on like what I'm doing right in this minute or else. Yeah, I'll go insane. So that's a really good piece of advice. Uh, so continuing on here. So a lot of people get sober for one of few reasons. The first is health. So maybe they're, you know, the better their health. Two is finances kind of obvious one. And then the third big one tends to be relationships. And you said that relationships have improved for you tenfold. Can you tell us about a, a little bit about that? Like how have your relationships got better? So me and my daughter, we've always been bonded. We're strong. Um, so there really hasn't been, there's never like a strain on how me and her feel about each other or how she views me, you know, but me being a mom, like, it makes me really happy that not only does she have, like, a fully present mom, but now she's got, like, a really healthy mom, you know, like, emotionally, logically, like, physically, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then me and my mom, you know, obviously we're Russian, so we do get bigger from time to time, but it's, yeah. at least we're able to, you know, talk over all of our things through. Um, we used to, I mean, there was times we, we could be in the same house and not talk to each other for, like, a whole week, you know, it's like, now and you know the the best thing about it too is like the more that i've calmed down the further that i've gotten in my recovery um i try not to preach it mm -hmm. but i get so excited about the changes and i'm you know 
that other people have been able to see that it almost seems like they've calmed down too. Like me and my mom used to go, you know, butt heads. And now that I've changed the way that I react to her, it almost helps her to change the way she reacts to me. So I definitely mm -hmm. feel like my relationship with my mom is a lot stronger. Um, I'm also talking with someone now uh, a little closely um, that I've known since 2017. And um, I mean, I was, I don't know how they stayed my friend or, or anything this long because, you know, they still have videos of me from back when I was drinking and I didn't even realize that was me looking crazy acting. Oh, wow. stuff. Nice. So, um, but now we're stronger than ever too. You know, communication cool. is good. Trust is good. Um, the way we communicate when there is something that's misunderstood is strong. Okay. Um, so I would just say like relationships all the way around with almost every person that I have in my life is, has been a lot better. And I do feel like that had to start with me. Mm -hmm. um, I used to feel like I was constantly being attacked okay. uh, or like people were purposely doing something to me mm. and look at it that maybe it was me that was coming at them the wrong way. You know what I mean? So. Right. Yeah. It's usually never the other person ever, <laughs> ever. And even uh, in the service groups too, it's like now they're always giving me hugs, always happy to see me, text me, you know, like post motivational things. And it's just really, really nice. Cause I know most of them probably would have never said it, but probably were slightly like, she going to disappear, like calm your titties a little bit, you know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a common reaction of new people. You're like, yeah. I'll give them a 50 50. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. You're having some much better relationships, uh, especially with your family. Like that's awesome to hear. I can totally relate to that. Like it's almost like, let's pretend just for an example that like I'm your mom and I'm just like, we, we go through our same fighting, you know, back and forth stuff. It's like when you start to change, like you said, I realize that I can't trigger you the same way that I was, or mm -hmm. maybe the attacks I used to use weren't working. And then it's like, okay, well, if I want a relationship with Masha, I have to change. And so I really think that's exactly how it works, right? You change, other people can't do the same things to you that they used to do in, in a sense. And so it kind of forces them to change or leave the relationship. It kind of goes one or two ways. Yeah. And like, you know, even with um, like my girl's dad, for example, he was a really big trigger for me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and it's some, it was something that was like really, really difficult for me to deal with. Cause I've known, he was my first boyfriend in high school, you know, I've known yeah. him a long time. And when we're good, we're good, com good communication, you know, like we can pump each other up for the day of what we're going to, you know, the other is going to do with my daughter, things like that. Um, but then when we're bad, like, I feel like we can really bring out the worst in each other. And mm -hmm. I feel like since I've really started, and it's not even just my recovery, it's like, like the recovery of me as a person, you know what I mean? Um, I feel like ever since I've been able to like calm down, think a lot more logically, talk things through, um, look at him as somebody like, I can't look at him as an enemy because at the end of the day, that's somebody that's my daughter's dad. You know, I almost have to look at him mm -hmm. as a distant friend. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I, I've definitely had to like, change my ways of thinking. Like I can't look at him and think trigger, you know, I have to look at him and think like my girl's dad, you know what I mean? Or, um, trigger. Yeah. Or like old friend, yeah. something, you know? So, um, you know, even the people that used to trigger me or piss me off, like I have to constantly, I have to constantly talk to myself or, um, 
like do a service group or get some kind of understanding um, because, you know, you can stay sober such a long time and the wrong person can make you feel like you want to relapse. So right. yeah, just changing your perspectives on that person or that thing is going to definitely help um, cool. help you with your recovery too. Because I'll tell you, that was... My daughter is my everything, and that is the one person that can keep me sober and the one thing that can, like, trigger mama bear, you know, mode. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> never touch a, a bear yeah. bear cubs. Yeah. I you know, that that's awesome, that, the way you're putting that, and that it's it sounds really mature. Like, you're not seeing him as an enemy anymore. You're seeing him as, a, like, he's a part of your life, and I think that's a really mature thing. You hear a lot about it. Like, if you ever look on YouTube vids on, like, divorce and stuff, it's it's always nasty. It's mm -hmm. never, like harmonious so i think that's really inspiring that you have that harmonious relationship to the best that it can be with your daughter's dad <laughs> there we go yes. uh, and i really like too how you, you know you said that you showing up is really important for your daughter right i think we're seeing an epidemic going around right now in culture where you know you have a lot of people that haven't had great role models growing up and there's all kinds of dysfunction like <laughs> it's just it's just you know, bleeding into the the masses right now. And it all, it really does all stem from home and having a strong family unit. Not everyone gets that. So doing the best we can is, is the most important. Like I was adopted. So I had a lot of trauma from a young age that, you know, there's nothing I can do about, but it's, it made me stronger now. And the fact that like, all you can really do is work through it. So I think that's, you know, absolutely fantastic. It got really eerie because the music stopped. I'm just going to preface um, I was really liking the classical in the back. Whoever can, can turn that back on. No, I'm just um, it's not. It's kind of quiet though. So. It's very quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next question I had was with your relationships. So you said that communication is really strong with now. Like, what does that look like? How do you have good communication within relationships? Um, before I would just, I mean, I was cutthroat. You know, I'm. Scorpio also, you know, we're just blunt straight to the point. And now it's like, um, I actually care about somebody's feelings before I used to just be like, you need to know this. It was almost like you needed the reality check. It's like, are you trying to give it to me? I'm, I give myself them every day kind of thing. And now I actually care if I hurt someone's feelings. Like I will still, I, I feel like I pick my battles. Is it like, do you need to to hear it because I need to say it or do you need to hear it because it's going to help you and you need to, you know? Um, yeah. Because, you know, back in the day, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really care how you felt. You needed to hear it because I'm, I'm telling you because I care. Otherwise I wouldn't waste my breath on it, you know, but the way that I approach it is definitely a lot different. You know, first I'll, I'll even see if you need the help. Um, for one, two, I feel like I don't come off as aggressive. Like, you know, some, sometimes I feel like almost like, whoa, you know, <laughs> like hover and stuff. And, and I'm small, but I mean, you wouldn't think so when I'm in your face. And uh, so I just, I feel like I'm a lot calmer, um, a lot more logical. Um, I try to take your perspective on things. I don't cut people off or I try not to do my best. Um, I don't know. I just... Now I talk to people how I want to be talked to because I don't want to freeze up or have a resentment. And if I end up having a resentment, sometimes I'll talk to you about it. Um, if I need to make an amends, I'll apologize when I'm able to. Because um, my mission is not to hurt somebody. You know, like I said, I need to be emotionally sober 
for the rest of me to stay sober. And if I'm out here to harm you, that's going to play in the back of my head. You know what I mean? And it's going to start messing with me because I'm not a, a hateful person. I'm not a hurtful person. But sometimes I feel like the way that I've came off in the past has almost done that to people. Um, so I'm just a lot more aware of the way that I address my issues when I do have them. Yeah, they say a resentment is like holding a hot coal and expecting the other person to get burned, yeah. which is stupid, or drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah, it really hurts the host. And I've I've made videos on this before, and it's it's a really important thing to realize how to overcome resentment because it's just going to free you. And then going through the process, like again, like learning how to forgive and stuff. Um, I really like too the tip you said. That's a great tip about asking first before giving advice. And this goes back to codependency. Uh, we talked a little bit about this earlier for the people that are, have just tuned in that, you know, codependency is kind of one of the cruxes of addiction. And so a lot, one of the big patterns of codependency is giving advice when not being asked. And I mean, you, you see it, you know, the person that, you know, you just tell them something, you just want to be heard. And they're just like, well, you know, have you tried this? And it's like, bro, like, I'm just trying to like, like, I'm not looking for an answer. So a really good thing you can do to, if you do have a piece of advice for someone and you think it's really going to help them is a simple question. It's just, Hey, would you like my feedback? Boom. It's changed my, my relationship game for sure. Because then if they say yes, you can share with them. And if they say no, then you say, like, okay, no, totally cool. I honor that. And I'm not going to, you know, try to get in your business. So yeah. And guys, like guys, if you're, if you're dating, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Okay, oh, big one. Say, hey, would you like my feedback? Would you like me to listen? How do you feel about the the hamburger method? You learned that in school. God, uh, refresh me. So I use this too. Um, like I'll always say something good or positive, and then I'll oh, tell them, you know, yeah. <laughs> what you need to hear, and then I'll finish with something positive. So you like you feel good. You know, you heard what you needed to hear, and then you feel good and you feel secure about it. You know. Yeah. Like I said, you know, you can't tell anybody too many good things. They might not even believe it or hear it, you know. Mm -hmm. And then if you only tell somebody the negative, well, now you're attacking them. They're really not going to hear you and right. talk to you. So if, if, I really love that, you know, method straight to, you know, nice, straight to the point and finish with something nice. And I feel like that definitely gets people to open up and actually hear what you have to say, too. Yeah, definitely. I've been using that a lot in business lately. <laughs> it's just been helpful. Like, hey, man, like this project's great. <laughs> Negative. And yeah, dude, keep up the great work, right? Very simple way. Um, by the way, Masha, you know, hair's great today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> so we're, we're wrapping up here. We're coming in the last like 50 minutes or so. So a really important question I had for you is what advice would you give to new people in recovery and trying to get sober from alcohol? Um, definitely enter into service groups. You know, if you don't, even if you don't like one that you go to, there's a bunch out there Keep going. Um, and if you're not comfortable with in-person, we do, there, there are Zoom meetings. Um, also do things that are like almost challenge your fears. Like don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to trigger yourself, mm -hmm. but almost take any anxieties or fears that you have and just face them head on. Um, because when you do feel tempted to use or you do feel tempted to drink, all this little successes that you've been able to accumulate day by day is going to outweigh that tr that want or that trigger to want to drink or use. Um, 
So just become the best version of you that you're happy with. You know, eventually the people that shouldn't be in your life, they're going to wean out and you're going to find new blessings coming your way without you even realizing it sometimes. Absolutely. Oh, great advice there, Masha. Yeah. You gotta, you know, just, it might in the moment seem like things are going to shit, but if you keep challenging yourself and that's something I think that, you know, unfortunately, even though the support groups are great, I don't, they're very old fashioned. So that mm -hmm. is something that I, that really inspired me to make this because I think it's really important to get out there and, you know, be getting exercise, be being active, doing things that like find hobbies, right? The, the literature from these groups are very old. <laughs> so they're very much like, you know, almost in a story form. So yeah, that's great. I love this motivation stuff. It, it's fantastic. Like listen to podcasts. Like if you got to, if you, mm. you got some time off, like I'm a podcast junkie for sure. I'm definitely addicted. Uh, so many things out there of how to be a better person. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have started this YouTube channel if I wasn't listening to people on YouTube sharing how to the importance of YouTube. So it's just, you never know what'll come down the line five, 10 years from now. If you start, you know, putting self-development first, uh, you'll never know the people you meet. You'll never know the opportunities that could potentially have be had in your life. And that was a big fear for me. Why I decided to quit because I was not having these amazing life experiences. My life was just wake up for me, smoke weed, um, I would definitely, I went to UW Madison and we drank like freaking chimneys. Um, no, we smoked like chimneys. We drank like, I don't know what the analogy is, but we drank a lot. And so, yeah, my life was, was, was trash. It was literally trash. And all I wanted was like growing up was these dreams of having, you know, fun and relationships and stuff. And none of it was coming true. So when I saw the opportunity to get sober, I took it. it sounds like that's what happened to you too, Masha. You're like, okay, I'm out of, I'm out of strikes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of lives. Yeah. It's time to get, it's time to get busy. And so guys, if you can, you know, take anything away from this, just, you know, get out there, put in the work. Uh, it, it will, it will pay off. Like I promise you that the work will pay off. It might not be immediate, but over time, over days, over weeks, over months, you'll find like what Masha said earlier, you become a new person and you can, it's someone you can look in the mirror and feel proud of. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's so exciting. So guys, we're going to wrap it up here with a few more comments. Uh, we have Chuck again, go Badgers. What's up? Badgers not doing too hot this year, but well, no. maybe they are, but they're in the <laughs> division. So, um, and then obviously Jordan loves crushing it. So go pack. Um, Rogers got smashed yesterday and I, I was actually, I felt for him because I've been watching the whole like hard knock series, like, a, and there's so much hype. And I think he's just like a great role model and, He's really into spirituality and he's just a, a man amongst men. And like, it's, it's surreal. Like, you know, everything you work for in life can be over in an instant. So I think that can be a good lesson too, that don't take anything for granted and live every day to the fullest because you never know when, when lights are going to be out and you might not get to do the things you used to do uh, before. So we have Francisco Munoz. That's my friend. Nice. <laughs> nice. Thanks for tuning in, Francisco, um, and supporting your, your friend here. Um, he's very proud of you. Uh, keep fighting the good fight. So much love, Francisco. Thank you. We have Sir Rancelot. Is that also your friend? <laughs> nope. But thank you, Sir Rancelot, for coming. That's a hilarious, hilarious name. Um, what are your thoughts on drinking non-alcoholic beer? Mm, good question. Masha. You want me to answer that? Yep. All right. So 
in the first eight months of my sobriety before I entered any service groups, um, this was like the first time I had gotten in trouble. I drank maybe like one or two of those, you know, um, watching the Bucks game. And I didn't find out till later that some of them, although they say no alcohol, might still contain alcohol. Um, so just be just be cautious of that. And then also the taste of it might actually want to trigger you to want to drink. Mm. But again, everyone is different. You know, there's been times where I've been able to go, go out with my friends and see them drink. And I haven't had a trigger to want to drink, you know, um, at the same time, tasting something that might resemble alcohol. If you're, I think, it, you know what, I'm going to leave that into your best judgment because everyone is going to be different in their recovery. Um, so don't put yourself in a situation that might trigger you. If you're feeling strong and confident about it, if you're around people that you trust, um, if you like can mentally tell yourself like, this is not alcohol, this is not what I want, maybe it'll work for you. But for me personally, I had to stay away from it completely because once I start, I'm going to continue. Um, and I'm sure you, you know, too, Joel, like it's not, it's not the second or third or the fourth drink that's dangerous. It's for me personally, it's always the very first drink that I take. So just avoiding it completely might be the best way to go. I do agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Serenance a lot. I, I like what, you know, I like, see, I'm, I'm just giving compliments cause you're giving such good wisdom. I'm trying to like think of like something nice, like, like your hat's stupid. I don't know. <laughs> um, Yes, 100%. Like, you got to figure it out for yourself and be your own best judgment there. Um, I say the same with alcohol or with weed. A lot of people go to C CBD to try to get off weed. Um, and CBD as well, like, they may advertise that there's no THC. A lot of times, though, there's a little bit of THC. And that can be enough to get the mind spinning. And I know for me, like, when I'm in that situation, like, I'm like, why the hell? Like, I'm smoking CBD. Why don't I just smoke weed? Or I'm having a non-alcoholic beer that and that's my own thinking so that's why i stay away from that personally um but other than that yeah um 16 days alcohol free congratulations man Woo! that's awesome yeah you're in it love it um <laughs> that's why another one from francisco uh you've always been such an amazing mom masha thank you <laughs> when i read that like in the little comment section. So like to the side of this screen, there's all the comments. I, I thought it said, you've always been such an amazing man, Masha. And I was like, I was like that's, that's funny. That's on the weekends, man. <laughs> ah, uh-oh. Stay away. <laughs> Dangerous. Um, we have Vey Novak. Thank you for tuning in. Like, um, so she's been a, a very, she's been tuning in quite recently. So I really appreciate seeing you. And um, thank you as well for your support. Um, so she said she was looking forward to this. Um, she just kicked her 18 year long cannabis addiction huge uh never going back and i love it like that's what it's all about it's just seeing seeing you're out and taking it so keep coming back and and um and sharing the love that's it, fantastic uh okay let's see got a few couple more here um chuck again i need to be very careful in alcohol giving me underlying health issues i rarely drink though yep so some people can drink guys i just want to preface that like it's not black or white I have friends that are able to use and they don't have serious consequences for their life. Yeah. Maybe could their life be way better if they did all the work and went through the program? Sure. But it's not for me to tell them to do that. And, you know, again, it's, it's for each person to, 
to decide. So um, other than that, guys, yeah, I think that's going to about wrap it up for the day. Uh, first off, thank you, Masha, for coming. This has been awesome. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And a little, a couple announcements before we officially wrap here. So the Sobriety University Marijuana Recovery Community, I'm going to be starting very soon. We're, we're in the works of putting that together. It's going to be a place where you guys can come if marijuana is one of your struggles. Uh, there'll be daily, you know, you'll have other people to be accountable with. Uh, I'll be definitely hopping in the groups here and there to, to chat with you guys. We're going to be doing weekly workshops with people who have quit. Um, and have a lot of clean time. So you're going to get to hear different perspectives and different, you know, different people talk about their journey. So it's, I'm really looking forward to it. I know connecting with you guys on YouTube has been fantastic and it's been what's keeping me sober. So to have just a place where we can all come together is going to be awesome. Uh, Again, we're going to be doing weekly recovery meetings too. So similar to what uh, Masha and I have been talking about um, where we'll just dive into some stuff. Maybe we'll go through some literature from some recovery source or whatever. And just just support each other. Like that's what it's all about. And and having people we can uh we can connect with. So that will be starting very soon. Keep your eyes open for that. Um second, if you are dealing with um alcohol addiction, if you're dealing with uh you know marijuana, any addiction really, and you're not quite sure about the support recovery support groups yet, I do have one-on-one coaching that you can hit me up for. Um there'll be a link in the description below. Uh we can you can book a call with me. We'll hop on the phone for about 45 minutes. I'll get to know you a bit. Um, find out where you are in your journey and see if I can be of service to you. Because um, I know for me in every aspect of my life, I have to have a mentor for something. Um, I, I love, and it's, it's awesome. Like it's, uh, it's helped me save so many years off my life because they're just like, dude, if you don't do this, you won't have this result. And then when I listen to them, it's very true. So um, accountability again is huge. Uh, it's something that, you know, I'll just say a lot of the people I've been working with, they're finding great success because they're motivated and they're willing to show up every day and do the work. And it's just so cool to see people getting sober from, from very different avenues. Finally, like we talked about earlier, there are a lot of free support groups too. So if pain is not something you want to do, um, there is free recovery support groups um, all around the world, 24 hours a day, um, sun up to sundown, um, you name it all free. Masha and I have both attended them. That's where we met actually. So, um, you can download that guide below and it's going to have all the names, um, within that, you know, you'll, you'll put two and two together. So guys, other than that, <laughs> could talk about this stuff all night, but we got to get going here. So really appreciate anyone who tuned in, um, stay tuned next one. We're going to have some, another awesome guest. We're going to be talking about a little marijuana a little bit. So once again, Jinquia, Marsha, Masha. Really appreciate you coming. Yep. And we'll talk to you guys in the next one. Peace. Thanks, Bye.